0: Hey, good morning, everybody. Great to be with you today. And man, Jerry, I think you were just right on there and talking about you know the importance of coming into a place like this at least once a week. I mean, there are you know thankfully we serve a God that is with us wherever we go. Uh, he's available to us at all times. But there is something special about a church family, and uh, I am so grateful for this Genesis family, especially in light of you know these past couple of years and just all the challenges that we're encountering each and every day. Uh, You and I weren't made to do life alone. We were meant to do life together in community with one another, and Genesis Church is certainly a great example of of that community. And uh, if you're new and if you're looking for a church family, if you're looking for relationships, people to get connected with, uh, as Jerry said, we would love to help you take the next steps in getting to know this church family. It's a really really special place. But Daniel chapter 3, if you've got a Bible with you today uh, in the Old Testament, if you use something like an app on your phone, uh, you can go there as well. Daniel chapter 3. We started this series last week in Daniel. Uh, We're actually going to spend a couple of more weeks in Daniel before we move on into the New Testament, which if you've been following along in our year-long reading plan, like we are all anxiously awaiting the New Testament, please bring on the New Testament. And uh, it's just a couple of weeks from now, but... uh, Daniel chapter 3 is where I want to I want to kind of focus our time today. How many of you have been joining the Olympics? Uh, I think they I think they come to an end today, actually. Yeah, I've, I've been enjoying them. I, I need them to end, though, because I I want to go back to bed early again. Like, I'm tired of staying up late to watch the Olympics. I've got to get my sleep, but uh, it, it's been fun. And uh, because my kids are runners, uh, I've got cross-country and track runners in, in my house, we've really enjoyed all of the track events and especially rooting for this guy uh, this year. Uh, he's a local guy. If you don't know him, by a guy by the name of Cole Hawker, a 20-year-old former uh, Cathedral High School runner who now competes for the University of Oregon. Uh, He made it all the way to the finals of the 1500 meters yesterday morning and we had this watch party at our house kids from our cross-country team coming to our house yesterday morning at 7.30 to watch this 7.40 a.m. race, and uh, it was so much fun, and he did spectacular, finished sixth uh, in the world in the uh, in that final race, and while I enjoyed cheering for him, I just got to tell you as a dad, I-, I love how his hard work and really also his courage inspires uh, people like my boys, and, and, and again, he's 20. You know, running on the largest stage, one of the biggest stages in the world, really, in front of, front of millions of, of viewers, I think we could all say, that's got to take some guts, right? That's, it takes some courage uh, to compete at a level like that. And as we're going to see in our study today, uh, in particular here in Daniel chapter 3, courage not only does something for you and, and even for your faith, but it can also go a long way in inspiring others as well. And so, last week, we introduced the story of Daniel. Today, the attention is going to shift to three teenage friends, uh, Hannah and I, Mishael, and Azariah, but we more regularly know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And in case you missed last week, just to kind of catch you up, Israel uh, had turned their backs on God. And if you've been reading through the Bible with this, you know this is just an ongoing saga of struggle and rebellion against God. And so, because of it, uh, God turned them over. He delivered them into the hands of the Babylonians who uh, invaded Jerusalem and destroyed it around 605 BC. But instead of killing all the people, some young men were captured and actually exiled back to the the, uh, center of Babylon where they were forced to live under the authority of King Nebuchadnezzar. And there they were well well cared for, but forced really into a re-education program of sorts because the way the king saw it is that he needed to get these men living and thinking like Babylonians. And Babylon has a long history and reputation for evil. Uh, Known for its idol worship, the name Babylon, over the years and even after the kingdom came to an end, came to symbolically represent any evil system in the world whose primary goal was to undermine the work of God in this world. It's why later on, you know, even hundreds of years later in the New Testament, the disciples referred to Rome as an evil Babylon. Uh, In the book of Revelation, the apostle John used Babylon to describe uh, every world system that will reject and push back and oppose God at every turn. Here's the point. Once this powerful physical empire, the name Babylon, has come to to represent an evil spiritual force that is continuously waging war against God and His people, and it's not something new. Uh, It's been around for a long time. Like, our world has been operating this way for a really long time, but I think we'd all agree, or maybe you'd at least concur this morning, that the tension is real. You know, the tension in our world now is even increasing Uh, In fact, like it or not, I think it's safe to say that we live in Babylon. We all do. Uh, Every single one of us. We live in Babylon. This church exists in Babylon, you know, uh, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, it, it's fair to say that we are living within, within Babylon today. It just means that there's this invisible kind of evil force that's active in the world right now that's attempting to undermine and oppose anything of God, and it's an evil that wants to, to cripple the church and, and really to make followers of Jesus Christ irrelevant. Here's the good news, though, all right? There is good news. The good news is that our God is greater, Uh, The good news is that we have victory, you know, because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross and the fact that the tomb is empty, you know, that God raised him from the dead. And so in Jesus Christ, we are free. In Jesus Christ, we belong to him. Jesus Christ is our identity. He is our salvation. And it's through him that we find life and embrace hope and that we can discover our purpose and means for living in this world today. The bad news though, is that the battle continues. It carries on, and one day Jesus is going to return, and he is going to restore everything to its original intent, but for now, we live and we operate in Babylon, but that doesn't mean that we're supposed to just hide, you know? It doesn't mean as Christians that we're here just surviving, just doing time, you know, before we move on to another place. No, in fact, and as we talked about last week, we're here to shine, like Jesus Christ has us. He has you and me. He has your kids. He has this church here on this planet for a reason. We're here to make a difference. I mean, your kids are here to, to make a difference at school. And it doesn't mean that it's going to be easy and, and tough times are here. And there are certainly more that are going to come, but Jesus was faithful And in the very same way that Jesus was faithful, he has called us, he has called our church to be faithful in this world too. And so today I wanna talk to you about what courage looks like you know what courage and faith looks like when when you face something that that challenges your faith when you come up against something that challenges your convictions like how do you find strength to trust god when you're tempted to compromise at work or when you're tempted to compromise at school or 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 with your neighbors or friends or wherever it may be like how do you live for jesus in babylon All right, so Daniel chapter three, as I said, our story shifts to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego today. If you're wondering, where's Daniel? What happened to him? Well, we'll come back to him next week, but most scholars believe that he's absent from chapter three, and it could have something to do with his influence in Babylon, that maybe he was out on assignment uh, working on behalf of the king or something else. For whatever reason, he doesn't have a specific part in this chapter, but again, we'll come back to him in the next couple of weeks. But Daniel chapter three brings us back once again to the most powerful man in the world at the time, a Babylonian king by the name of Nebuchadnezzar. And he has constructed, if you read Daniel chapter two and into Daniel chapter three here, a 90 feet tall by nine foot wide idol. And because he's so proud of this new statue, uh, he printed a bunch of invitations, ordered some cake, and invited everyone to come together for this really large dedication service. Now, how big was this dedication service? Well, because everyone from the empire was invited, some scholars estimate that it could have been tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, if not a million people. Whatever it is, when the day arrived and everyone came together for this dedication service, the MC gave some instructions. Let's pick it up in Daniel chapter 3, beginning in verse 4. Here's what we read. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, nations and people of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, it's kind of like a Dr. Seuss sort of a account here, uh, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Now, talk about an ego, right? All right, you build this monstrous statue all right? Can you, can you imagine someone so caught up in himself that he requires you to bow down at this image or else be destroyed? The moment sounds eerily familiar to something that Jerry referenced last week. Remember, this was the very place, all right, that that uh, uh, the, the people built the tower, or at least were seeking to build the Tower of Babel, all right? If you go back to Genesis chapter 11, the land of Shinar here, and so that effort represented the worst of human pride and ultimately a flat-out rejection of God. God, same place. All right. It's all coming back around. Here we go again. And and so the MC stands before the crowd. He says, Okay, enjoy your cake. But when the music starts, you all better bow down to this idol. We will be watching verse 7. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, and all kinds of music all the nations and peoples of every language fell down and worshiped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And so picture this. You got all these people, potentially thousands, right? Tens of thousands of people, if not more. They're bowing to this statue except for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who are just standing there awkwardly, (laughs) you know, twiddling their thumbs, standing out before all others. You ever found yourself in anything even close to that kind of a situation? Like something's not right, uh, something that just doesn't sit right with you, but everyone else is is bowing of sorts and you got to make a choice. Like what are you going to do in that moment? It could be something like a conversation at work. You know, and uh, all of a sudden, it gets a little inappropriate or turns to gossip. And in that moment, there's just something in you that says, you know, this isn't this isn't right. Like, I, I got to make a decision, you know, what to do here. Or uh, you're away at school, you know, you're at a party with a bunch of college friends and stuff starts happening, things that make you a little uncomfortable. You got a choice to make. You're you're in a group chat, you know, with some, some buddies from school, a bunch of kids, and all of a sudden, one of them sends something very inappropriate, Uh Something like porn or something, or calling out somebody else, and you gotta decide in that moment what you're going to do. Like when everyone else is bowing, like what about you, like what do you what do, you do? when all eyes are on you. Now, Nebuchadnezzar doesn't notice right away, but but there were some men in his administration that it's fair to say had it out for the Jews. And so they're looking out over the crowd and they notice right away that these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego haven't bowed down. And so they're going to make sure that Nebuchadnezzar sees their defiance. And so they go to the king and say this, verse 12, but there are some Jews all right, They're pointing this out to the king, whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon. Remember, there was a promotion last week. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you. Your majesty, can't you just see them? them building up his ego? They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you're ready to fall down and worship the image made, very good, or else. But if you do not worship it, You will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace, then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand. And so the king's furious, all right? His his leadership has been questioned. It's been put to task here. How dare these three teenage boys show him up? But he likes these guys, all right? So he's he's willing to give them a second chance as long as they bow. And now everyone is watching. And like, put yourself in their shoes, okay? Okay. Like, if I'm one of them, I, I, let's just be honest. Like, you'd, you'd think maybe these guys would get together and rationalize a little bit. Like, can't you hear when somebody's saying, like, listen, like, we can bow and not mean it, you know? Or we can bow for a few days, let this thing blow over a little bit, and then we'll get back to not bowing. Like, let's, let's not make this a bigger deal than necessary, but not these guys they're not going to compromise. Like this is going too far for them. This is reaching all the way back to Exodus chapter 20, when God said that you will have no other gods before me, which means they're not going to bow. They're not going to give in, even under pressure, even with everyone watching. Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. Pastor J.D. Greer brings up something really interesting about this Uh, particular chapter in this episode, and really kind of this exchange back and forth between these three men and and, and Nebuchadnezzar, he explains this. He says, you know, it wasn't so much that their faith in God irritated Nebuchadnezzar. Like Nebuchadnezzar seemed fine with that, but instead it was their refusal to bend. It was their refusal to, to compromise their faith. Like their defiance challenged the way that he saw things. So just think about this for a moment. Like think about how this might apply today. All right, how this might apply to any of us. Like, like, it's fair to say, at least to a degree, some places maybe more than others, but it's fair to say that today you can, you can call yourself a Christian. Uh, it's fair to say that in America right now, like, you can go to church. We can go to church in kind of this present day Babylon of ours. But when your faith and when your convictions, and when your beliefs start rubbing up against kind of the trends and movement of this world, well, then that's where certainly the problems arise. Like, like think about how often, you know, people are encountering more and more today, like how dare you stand up for your convictions? Like how, how dare you associate something you believe with your faith and, and make a decision because of it? Or, or who are you to question any new rule or policy? How dare you today embrace a different opinion about things like sexuality or marriage or or gender? How how dare you question you know a, a curriculum or a teaching item that maybe is being presented in a school? How. How dare you impose your beliefs about the unborn and, and the rights and the sanctity of life on, on someone else? Like, how dare you bring your biblical worldview into this particular conversation? How, how dare you go as far to say that Jesus could potentially be the only way to heaven? Again, like you, you and I, we can go to church, you know, thankful for that. And, and, and we're grateful for that. But like, and, and you know, somebody like, you can sing your songs, you can do all your Jesus things, but, but you're not allowed to impose your beliefs on culture, like you see this, right? Like we see this, we're all experiencing these questions today. Like we we used to live in a country where people could respectfully agree to disagree and go on with things, but but that is decreasing more and more all the time. And, and, and those who call themselves Christians, you know, this, this is for all of us. Like we share in, in some of the blame of this too. I mean, because just think about like, because emotions are so high today, like we as Christians, like we've contributed really kind of to the fire, to the hostility at times. Like think about how many times you've encountered, you know, so-called Christians that are so passionate about their beliefs and yet so reckless. And harmful in the ways that they express it. Like friends, like if you want to change and influence your school, don't cuss out the superintendent. Uh, if, you, if you want to change the library, like don't yell at the librarian or go on a rant on, on social media. Like these things aren't helpful, especially when you remember that as followers of Jesus Christ, we are called to a higher standard of living. Like We are called to a higher standard of living as followers of Jesus. And that means that we shouldn't expect the world to live according to the same high standards that Jesus has put before us as followers of Jesus. But, but what are you going to do? I mean, you know, again, you can see the tension in that because what are you going to do when everyone else is bowing or complying and you just say, I can't? Like, what will you do when you see things happening that challenge your faith and convictions? Like, all the time we're forced to ask the questions, will you stand up? Will you bow down? Will you speak up? What are we supposed to do? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego wouldn't bow down, all right? And that's not going to sit well with the most powerful man in the world. Verse 19. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace was so hot, don't miss this, that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men firmly tied fell into the blazing furnace. Now, maybe there was some celebrating this moment by Nebuchadnezzar and his men. Maybe there was plenty of shock too, but then something happens. If you know the story, you're aware of this verse 24. It says, then King Nebuchadnezzar, Leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, Weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? And they replied, Certainly, Your Majesty. He said, Look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Can you imagine the look on Nebuchadnezzar's face in this particular moment? I mean, his buddies are all high-fiving him, stroking his ego, but instead, They look into the fire and see a group of men that are walking around unbound and unharmed. And then verse 26, Nebuchadnezzar calls out to him and says, Then Nebuchadnezzar approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out. Come here. And I just got to add here, like if I'm one of these guys in the fire, I'm probably inviting Nebuchadnezzar to come closer. Hey, you know, just come check it out for yourself. Come see how warm it is. But it says, no, not that. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. That's a quick flyover of a story that maybe you're pretty familiar with, you know, especially if you've been around the church for a while. A, a story of great faith, a story of great courage, deliverance, and provision. Three, milling, or three men unwilling to compromise. All the odds in the world stacked against them, and yet they emerge from this furnace unharmed, and just for one more little detail, there was no smell of fire on them. Hey, you know this? There is so much going on in our world right now. Uh, you've got challenges, very personal challenges at work. Uh, there are questions and challenges with kids and with school. There are pressures being applied by the government and corporations. There's all of the difficulties with the COVID-19 pandemic, and we're all trying to sorting out. You know, asking like, what's right, like like how, like how do i follow jesus through this like what's what should be my response what should i do unfortunately i don't have all of the answers for you in fact just some of the burden and sharing today is like man like where do you go with all this like how do you apply this to so many of these situations that we're facing each day but but i will say this there are some things in this story that i think can better equip us and maybe that God wants to use today in your life to, to better prepare us for moments when we have to choose courage, you know, when we are we are seeking to live out our faith. Like like this. Let's do this. If you're taking notes, you might you may copy a couple of these down. Here's some observations that I think we can take away. Like when it comes to living for Jesus in Babylon. Pastor Dave Stone says it like this. I, I remember him preaching on, on this topic before. He says, first of all, as Christians living in Babylon, expect opposition like you and I need to expect opposition because Genesis Church, we don't live in heaven. All right, we're, we're not living in heaven. Like this is Babylon. That's why the scriptures describe followers of Jesus as foreigners and strangers in this world because this world is not our permanent home, but we're not here by accident either. And we're not here just trying to survive. We are here to shine and to live for Jesus each day. And so keep that in mind when you're challenged, you know, because it's going to happen at school if it hasn't yet. Like you, you may have a professor at college that ridicules you for your faith. You know, by, by living at, out your faith, people are going to look at you funny. They're going to look at you like you're crazy, that you've got a third eye, that you're narrow-minded. You may lose some friends. You may lose your job. Like if we expect opposition though, we can prepare ourselves for opposition. And that's why prayer is so critical like that's why you praying, like you committing your life and, and growing with the Lord each and every day, beginning your day in prayer. Like if we're gonna expect opposition, we need to prepare ourselves for opposition. And again, that's why prayer support, it's it's why having a church family matters. Like it's why having a place like this, a church family where you can come together and support one another, it's, it's why having a connection group matters. People that are close to you and praying with you and walking through all of life. It's why reading your Bible to better understand God's will for your life can make a huge difference. And it's why the apostle Paul would say in Ephesians chapter six, verse 13, that every day, every day, All right, because we live in Babylon and because every day is like another battle, he says, every day put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything, to stand. See, like every day, Paul describes, you know, even a couple thousand years ago is like another battle for the Lord, but when we find our hope, when we know our hope in Jesus Christ, when our identity is set and secure in Him then we can return to that powerful message and his transformation in our lives. And we can prepare ourselves each day as we're going to see, we're going to come up against opposition. And so that's why we need to prepare. And when opposition comes, here's something else. And that is we got to remain calm, remain calm. Like what's interesting about Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego is they didn't go looking for a fight. All right, they're just trying to make the best of their days in Babylon, but then Nebuchadnezzar called them out. And I hope that none of us ever finds ourselves in anything close to a situation like they have found their self in. But you have to appreciate how these three men responded. Like they didn't overreact. They remained calm and they addressed the one that was talking to them. And so let's just ask for a moment, like what could we learn from their encounter? Well, I think you could say this, as you prepare yourself spiritually each and every day, to go out and do life in this world. Like ask God to give you the wisdom, the strength and the patience to deal with encounters and interactions as they come up against you and resolve for yourself to handle things directly and calmly. And so I think there's some basic principles that come to mind. Like if you've got a problem with someone, let's be people who practice going to the person directly to deal with the problem. Uh, That might mean asking uh, for a meeting with a teacher. Uh, that might mean asking for a meeting with a principal. Uh, that's your willingness to sit down and encourage and in faith and all prayed up, have a conversation with your boss. Uh, sometimes it's just kind of an, a, a heart check of our own and assuming that most people are doing their best. And as we are struggling and challenged with different things, that most likely when we come up with others, they've got there's something else going on behind the scenes too, trying to understand. You know where your neighbor is coming from and, and so that means when you get frustrated don't go to next door app you know don't go to the neighborhood page you know on facebook don't don't post a a a thinly veiled slide on facebook but like what could we accomplish by going humbly and directly to the source. And again, as you prepare for a confrontation or a conversation, make sure you spend time on your knees praying about these sorts of conversations. Make it a practice to talk to God before you talk to them, because really prayer is the only way we're going to find our way through, you know, that we are going to be able to thrive and shine in Babylon. And so remain calm, but but here's something else. There are going to be moments where you got to be bold, We're going to have to be bold. I mean, these teenage men had an audience with the king of Babylon, the most powerful man in the world, and he mocked their belief in God in front of an enormous crowd of witnesses. But they remained calm, and they spoke boldly. You know, when everyone is watching you, you're going to have to make a decision what you're going to do and how you will respond, how you'll speak about your faith, how you'll speak about both the the truth and the grace of Jesus Christ. You know, and that's important to keep in mind that Jesus wasn't 50/50 on those. He he was 100% truth, and 100% grace uh, at the same time. And so, how do we allow that to influence the way we operate, even in circumstances, especially in your workplace? You know, that maybe you feel like is is moving and quickly in a direction that that stands counter to what you believe. I I was talking to a man from our church this past week, a guy by the name of Dave. Uh, He's a professor, works for a university. It's not a Christian university. And the longer this man works and serves there, uh, the more respect he has built with his colleagues. And his colleagues know that he is a Christian, that he is a follower of Jesus Christ, as he has talked boldly and yet very graciously about his faith in Jesus. And he was describing for me so humbly, about how God just continues to use him uh, in his particular university and in his time there and how he is regularly called upon to give lectures about his faith and how it influences his life and his work and his service and people listen. And he just says, it's crazy. Like, why in the world would God ever give me an opportunity in an environment like this? But I would say this about Dave. You could say that he is bold, but not loud. Like he's not obnoxious, he's not arrogant, you know. The Apostle Paul says this about the way we conduct ourselves each and every day in Colossians chapter four, verse six, he says, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer anyone, everyone. And so we expect opposition, we, we remain calm, we see that in these guys, we're to be bold and, 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 and then this, no matter what you go through, keep trusting God no matter what you're going through right now, you and I need to keep trusting the Lord. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not plead, give us another chance or or have mercy on us. There there was no hint at compromise at all. They simply trusted that God was going to lead them through the fire. I wonder how many of you feel like you're in a, a fire of your own right now. You got your own furnace that you're trying to deal with and and maybe it has to do with some anxiety about school. I, I know that here uh, my kids started this past week in Noblesville, but Carmel's schools picks up this week, uh, Westfield too, and, uh, and so maybe you've got some anxiety uh, about that right now. Maybe you're maybe you're homeschooling your kids and doing that for the first time ever, and so uh, you've got some anxiety with that. Maybe there's some heat around your job. Maybe. Uh, Maybe you're in an unhealthy relationship right now and you know something has to change. Maybe it's an addiction or a a really bad habit. Maybe you're contemplating something like adoption or fostering, but, but terrified, scared out of your mind. If you've been praying and you sense that God is leading you in a particular direction, trust him. Like make it make it your practice and and decide to trust him. Like take the next step with God. Be faithful. Like you can trust him with anything. And when God does spare you from the fire, when you are safe from the fire, give him the glory. Uh, Give God all of the glory. Like worship him. Give him the credit. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they gave God the glory, and because of their boldness and the way that God delivered them from the flames. Nebuchadnezzar is going to give God glory too, and we'll look a little more at that next week. But, but, but I also, like, you need to notice, and maybe you already did, that I said, when you are saved from the fire. And to that, I, I think we just at least have to ask the question, but what if you're not? Like, what if you're not spared from the fire, Or what if if things go terribly wrong or don't go the way you want? Like, what if you're bold and courageous and things get worse? Like, what if if you're going through the fire right now and barely hanging on? What then? I love this quote. I saw this past week from Pastor Stephen Furtick. Uh, He says this about courage, and, and we see this lived out in the story. He says this, courage is being able to say, I believe God can. I expect that he will but trust him if he doesn't. Let's focus on this phrase for just a second. I believe God can. That's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego believed. They even said this. Look at Daniel 3, 17 again. It says, if, they replied, we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. See, they believed that their God was greater than Nebuchadnezzar and his oversized yard ornament here. The same is true for us as followers of Jesus, that no matter what you face, our God is greater. And that just means that he's greater than the cancer. He's greater than COVID-19. He's greater than your shame. He is greater than all of your anxiety and fears. And because he loves you, faith and courage means this, you can expect that he will. All right. Faith and courage means that you can expect that he will. You can pray with confidence Uh, You can keep trusting God. You can cling to the promises of his word and believe that he will do what he says he will do. Again, Shadrach and Bishak and Abednego said, they said this, that he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. Like now, how did they know that God would deliver them? They didn't, but they kept trusting. They kept putting their faith in him. God hadn't let them down yet. Why would he let them down now? But then these somber humbling words in the very next verse, but even if he does not. Again, I think if we get raw, if we get real here, they they didn't know how this was going to turn out. And from what we tell, God hadn't given them any inside information about how this was going to end up. But that's what faith looks like. And that's what courage looks like. It's believing that God can it's expecting that he will, and it's trusting him even when it doesn't go as we think it should. And I'm not here to say that you got to have that kind of faith today. All right, that you can just snap your fingers and, and that faith just kind of appears in your life. No, this is something that you've got to grow in, that we have to grow in together. And planting yourself in God's word and, and daily spending time alone with the Word, reading his word, like that's why we're reading through the Bible this year, church. Like that's why we're inviting you to read through the scriptures with us. Like you're not gonna grow in your relationship with God unless you spend time daily and regularly in his word. And if you're not reading, again, as I mentioned a moment ago, I got good news. The Old Testament is almost finished. All right. In fact, on August 24th, we flipped the page to the New Testament. And so if you haven't jumped in or if you have fallen off, I want to invite you to mark your calendar for August the 24th and finish out the year reading the New Testament. Let's do it together. Like, let's learn and cling to the promises of God together. Because why? Because Babylon is hard. Living in Babylon is hard. We're going to go through tough times. And if your faith hasn't already been tested, it's going to be challenged. But can I remind you of something? When you and I, when we go through the fire, when we go through the fires of life, and again, maybe you're in one right now, you don't have to go alone. I mean, Jesus was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he has promised that he will be with us too. And maybe you're thinking, wait whoa, wait a second. Jesus, like he's New Testament. Like Jesus, Old Testament, what? Well, I didn't see him in this story. Did you miss him? Go, go back one more time real quick to, to verse 24. Did you see this? Again, okay, it says, Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, Weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly your majesty she said, but look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Many scholars believe that that fourth man in the fire was Jesus, that Jesus was there with them. I believe that Jesus was there with them when, when they made the decision we're not going to bow. It's not in the text, but I believe he was there. And he was there in the fire. And this is the same Jesus who endured the the fire of the cross many years later. He was there present with these teens in the most terrifying moment of their lives. I want you to know today that if you have put your trust in Christ, you can have this confidence that Jesus is there with you. He's going to go through this school year with you and your kids. Uh, He'll go through the cancer with you. He'll go through the loneliness that maybe you're facing. He can lead your family. He's going to lead our church through this pandemic. He is everything that we need. He has all of the answers and he has the peace we're looking for. And if you're not a Christian, if you've never trusted your life to Jesus Christ, I can promise you that he is near and he is waiting for you to find your way back to him. Friends, Jesus gave his life for you. He's willing to go through life with you. And the most courageous step that you can take is to offer, to surrender your life to him. Uh, As Jerry mentioned, we're we're gonna have a baptism service to celebrate life change in a few weeks. If you have never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we would love to talk with you about taking a bold, courageous step of faith like that. If you've never been baptized before, we'd love to talk with you about how you can do just that. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your amazing love and your amazing grace that is greater than anything that we could ever ask or hope for, that you change lives, you heal wounds, you alone can forgive sins. You give us hope, and it's a hope that will carry us through these days and into eternity. Thank you for being there for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and thank you for being there for us for being in this place today and meeting us where we are right now. Lord, you know every person, you know every story. Give us courage today. Give us the faith to believe today. Lord, we believe and know that you are here. Speak to our hearts today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Will you stand with us as we close with a song?